0: Let us pray. Our most gracious Father, take Your Word this day that we have heard. Plant it into our hearts to renew our minds. Renew our desires. Renew us inwardly and outwardly. That all that we do would reflect who You are. That all that we do would become a reflection of Your glory before the world. And may Your Spirit overflow out of us. That those that we know would come to know You. That through us You would work on them and work in them. To make Your Word known, to make Your Gospel known. And to lead all that we know to repentance. That Your salvation would extend to the ends of the earth. All of this we ask through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. At our house, we've been listening to the Narnia books. The kids love them. We came across a set of audio CDs of the books a few years ago at the library used book sale and got all seven books on CD for like five bucks or something like that. And it's been amazing. We listen to them quite a bit. And I was thinking about what happens to these kids. They're just minding their own business. Whether it's playing games in a house or waiting at the train station to go somewhere. Or fleeing from bullies at school and coming across an unknown gate in the wall. And then they're just whisked away. They're called away from their ordinary lives into this magical realm of Narnia. Into this place where they have to follow the lion. Where they must obey the lion. Where they must pursue His will in order to accomplish what He wants them to do in that land. And they have many adventures and the kids change out as time goes on as kids as the kids get older and enter into adulthood they are no longer called for they have accomplished what they were called to do in Narnia and other children that know them are called into Narnia as well where they get changed and then sent back into their world Two of my favorite adventures in that regard have to do with the boy Eustace that first time when he gets swept up into Narnia he is a brat He is the most pitied boy there is. For he is miserable constantly. He has no imagination. He wants nothing to do with his cousins and their imaginary world. But nonetheless, Aslan calls him, this boy who doesn't want anything to do with him, into Narnia and changes him. And the change doesn't just exist in Narnia. Narnia. That change extends into the real world, into the regular world, I should say, because Narnia is just as real as our world in these books. For when he goes back to school after being in Narnia, everyone is amazed at how different Eustace Scrub is. Now he's someone who might actually stand up for what is right. He might actually defend the kids who are getting bullied, and he is being bullied less because he won't put up with it. And he gets recalled to Narnia with his friend Jill. Jill. And in that book, The Silver Chair, I love it because they're given three simple commands and they can't get them quite right and so they end up not quite following all the directions that Aslan gives to them, but nonetheless, because they are trying, they are trusting in Aslan, they still end up where they're supposed to be, though it was harder than it should have been. But they get called into Narnia to accomplish Aslan's will and then sent back into our world to do his will, to become better people. To serve others. To cause people to see the reality of the world around them. And that's what we hear about this day in both the Gospel of Mark and in 1 Corinthians. And even in Jeremiah we hear of people being called from what they were into something new. And the reality is, and what is happening is that Jesus is working through each and every one of us. He is working in us. And working through us to bring people through the judgment of the law into new life. And the beautiful thing about that is He does it. And He accomplishes this calling through us from where we are right now. That's right. He works in us and through us where we are right now to bring people through judgment into new life. And we see this begin happening as Jesus goes into Galilee. He begins calling people. God begins working through him in a new and glorious way after John is arrested. For John was his forerunner. John is the one who went out into the world before him, proclaiming that the Messiah was coming. He proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He proclaimed that the time was fulfilled repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is coming. And here in Jesus, the kingdom of God appears. It's manifested in the flesh. And when John is arrested and taken from the scene of serving God, Jesus steps forward. He goes into Galilee to proclaim the gospel of God. And recognize what Galilee is. Over in the gospel of Matthew, it is called Galilee of the Gentiles. While there is... A lot of Jewish people in Galilee, there's a huge Gentile population, a huge population of people who have nothing to do with God, who are not a part of the covenant with God, who are outside of that covenant. And here Jesus goes into the midst of Galilee to proclaim the Gospel, to proclaim that the Kingdom of God is at hand, to proclaim that the new time has arisen. And what is... This word gospel to us. We think of the word gospel as good news and it does mean that. That's this literal meaning, good news. But one of the things I've come across over the years is that that word has a much wider meaning. It has a very deep meaning besides just good news. For it is the word that was often used in the Old Testament to acknowledge a military event to bring military news, whether good or bad. That there were all kinds of moments of gospel proclamation in the Old Testament in relation to the military works of Israel, of the king going out and accomplishing the work he was called to do through the military to defend the people, to protect the people. And there would be runners who would go out to proclaim that gospel of what the king accomplished. Sometimes that news would be sad, such as at the death of Josiah, Or the death of even Saul. But other times it would be joyous, such as David conquering the Philistines, of David overcoming the Gentile kingdoms around them. But it was always related to some military conquest, some military event, so often. And it's why this is important. For there is a militaristic edge to the work of Jesus in the fact that He is overcoming the world. Not with weapons of war. Not with guns or swords or grenades or tanks or anything like that. But He is accomplishing a military victory of turning people who are rebels like us into people who are His citizens. Who are citizens of His kingdom. And so Jesus goes out and proclaims this military victory over the world, over sin, death, and the devil. That the kingdom of God is at hand. That the kingdom of God is overcoming the kingdom of men. That the kingdom of God is turning away the kingdom of men. It is putting it down. It is conquering it. It is destroying it. It is stripping it of whatever wealth it might have. The kingdom of God is overcoming the kingdom of the world. Like Paul said, you were bought with a price. Do not give in to the philosophies of men. Do not turn back to the philosophies of men. For that is the kingdom of God overcoming the world. And that's what the kingdom of God does when it overcomes the world. It overturns the beliefs of the world. It overturns the false ideas and the false theologies. It overturns the lies of the devil in the world. For at its heart, the kingdom of God in this moment is God reigning over His people. It is Him reigning over the hearts and the minds and the bodies of the people of the world. God asserts Himself lovingly over us in order that we would know Him and be transformed into the kind of people who respond to who God is. To be the kind of people who have our very core desires changed from wanting to be rebellious and wanting to be the servants of God. And so when the kingdom of God comes near, when it is at hand, It changes our hearts. It changes our minds. For God then reigns over each of us and reigns over His church, His people. And that kingdom becomes both now and future. It is in the here and now because God is truly reigning over our hearts and minds, but it is also in the future when He will manifest that rule and demonstrate the fullness of that rule as He strips everything of sin, as He strips away the sin in this world, as He strips away the decay and the brokenness in creation, as He strips away that very decay and brokenness and sinfulness within each and every one of His people, and we rise up into new life, His kingdom will be fully manifested then. And He will have shown that He conquered all through Jesus. For right now, that aspect of the kingdom is hidden. That stripping away of sin, that overcoming of sin is something that is hidden within us. And it is only seen as we act on the Gospel. As we act in this world as God's people. As we act as those who are transformed. Because the time is fulfilled. The time is turned over. The clock has changed. And here time is not about minute by minute time. Chronos time, as you might say in the Greek. But it's kairos, that singular moment in time when everything changes. It could also be seen as a season when one season ends and a new one suddenly comes upon us. That is the time that is fulfilled. Everything is accomplished suddenly. And Jesus comes onto the scene proclaiming the Gospel. That the Kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, turn around and have faith, have trust in God's accomplishing the victory over the world. That's a nice paraphrase of that repent and believe in the Gospel. Turn around. Turn away from the philosophies of men. Turn away from your ideas about the world. Turn away from the lies that you have constantly put your trust in. And now put your trust in the victory of God over sin, death, and the devil. Believe in the gospel. Hold up a mirror and see that you are one of those who needs to repent. That you are one who needs to turn away from whatever philosophies of men you have clung to. That you need to turn away from your wicked deeds. Turn away from your lawlessness, your breaking of God's commandments. Confess that and turn to the gospel. Turn to the victory of God and Jesus for you. That all of that is washed away. All of that is undone. All of that is put aside because of the victory of God in Jesus Christ for us. And so turn around this day. And believe that God has accomplished His work in Jesus. That sin is overcome. That the devil is put down. That death and the grave and hell itself have been broken by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus goes out with this earth changing message. With this world changing message. And where does he go? He goes to the Sea of Galilee. And there he sees Simon and Andrew casting their net into the sea because they're fishermen. Now if you recall, in the Gospel of St. John, Jesus has already met Simon and Andrew. Shortly after Jesus was baptized and returned from the wilderness, He was walking along and He saw Andrew, and Andrew and another unnamed disciple started following Him. They were John the Baptist disciples initially. And they began following Jesus in that moment. But they did not fully Turn away from the work that they had. They were being called in the midst of the work that they were doing. They were being called as fishermen in that time. Slowly learning, slowly gaining more knowledge. And then finally culminating in this moment after John goes into prison. Culminating in this moment of Jesus coming into Galilee and calling them now away from the work that they were doing. And into something new. There in verse 17, Jesus says, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed Him. Immediately they left behind their original calling in life to be fishermen. And began a new calling. To become fishers of men. To become followers of Jesus. To become His disciples and eventually His apostles. Who would spread the church. Who would go forth proclaiming the gospel. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. Because Jesus called them into a new reality. That He called them to bring judgment through the law and to bring new life through the proclamation of the Gospel. And so they were called into something new and something special in that moment. And so they walked away from their work as fishermen to become fishers of men, to become those who go out and capture men, who drag men to hear about the Kingdom. For that picture of fishers in the Old Testament is often a violent picture. It is often one describing judgment being cast upon the peoples around and then being dragged through a watery death, so to speak. And that's what we must recognize, especially with Jeremiah 16. In Jeremiah 16:16, 16, 16, it speaks of fishermen being sent out by God to bring his people back to himself. And in that bringing back, throwing out that dragnet and capturing them, they're judged for their idolatry. And that's what must happen for them to be brought into the promised land once more, to be brought back, renewed. They must undergo a form of judgment for their idolatry, for their sinfulness, for them refusing to obey who God is, to obey what He has called them to do. And So we often don't like to think about in one sense the Gospel brings judgment on us when we hear it because it says Jesus died for our sins. It says Jesus has overcome hell, death, and the devil. And He has overcome the sin in this world and the sin within us, which means that we must recognize that we are sinners. And that we will be judged as sinners remaining in ourselves. Judgment comes to all. But to all who are in Jesus, He receives judgment on their behalf. He undergoes the judgment that they should endure in order that they could be purified and cleansed. And so when Jesus says, you will become fishers of men you will become those who go out and declare the brokenness of the world, declare the law of God in order to convict sinners to the core. And in convicting those sinners, you will bring them through judgment into the kingdom. You will bring them into Jesus who has endured the ultimate final judgment on their behalf. And they will be renewed as they go through that death. As they go into death in the water of baptism, they will be brought to life through Jesus' resurrection you are united to Him in His death through baptism. And raised up to new life. Because of His resurrection. And so they are called to become fishers of men. And likewise James and John. His brother are also called and immediately leave. And abandon their original work in order to follow God. In order to follow this new path. But I think it's important as we hear about Simon and Andrew. And James and John and all the other disciples. As we go through this. Book this year, that we will hear of them abandoning a certain kind of calling in order to come into a new kind of calling. And that's fine. Sometimes that is what God does. He calls us out of one vocation into a new kind of vocation. I think it's important for us to see this juxtaposed against what St. Paul told us today, what we read about how each person should continue to lead the life the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. That initially with the disciples meeting Jesus, they continued to do their regular day-to-day job as fishermen. There in the Gospel of St. John, they encounter Him early on and they begin learning from Him. They begin following Him on a part-time basis. Literally following Him, but knowing Him. Growing to know Him. In order that it would culminate in that moment when Jesus upends everything. And calls them away from their original work that the Lord assigned to them into a new kind of work the Lord had assigned. But that doesn't happen to all of us. And that's the comfort of 1 Corinthians 7 is that God does not always call us away from the work we have already been doing. But He always calls us through that work. He calls us to work for Him through whatever work He gives us. For St. Paul is versed in that. While he is an apostle who is going around planting churches, proclaiming the gospel, in many cities he sets up shop as a tent maker. Even there in Corinth, if I remember correctly, he was a tent maker for months and months on end while proclaiming the gospel. And so in some ways, St. Paul is a picture of that reality of God working through where he assigned Paul, but giving him a new calling on top of that calling to also be an apostle, To not let his work as a tent maker get in the way of his apostleship, but to use that work as a tent maker to supplement his apostleship, to be a way of him to encounter new people, to be a way of him to support himself. But nonetheless, all of it is being worked for God's glory. God is working through St. Paul as both a tent maker and an apostle to make the gospel known. And that is the point Paul is bringing home to these Corinthians is don't seek after some other glorious work. Don't seek after other vocations. If God called you as a husband or a father or a mother or a wife, if He called you as a slave or if He called you as a freedman, if He called you as a shoemaker, if He called you as a doctor, if He called you as a minister or a teacher, don't abandon the place where you are. Make Jesus known through those moments, through those vocations. Some of those are permanent vocations, but also some are impermanent. You may be called away from being a shoemaker or a doctor or a teacher. You may be called away from being a slave, in fact. For that's what Paul says, if you are a bondservant, don't worry about it, but if you have a chance to be freed, then use it. You can be called from where you once were into a new kind of calling in some cases. But in all of these cases, remember this. That you are a freedman in the Lord, but you are also a bondservant of the Lord. You are both free in the Lord and called to serve continually to make Jesus known through the vocations He has assigned to you. That just because Simon and Andrew, James and John were called into an apostolic kind of ministry, that does not mean that all of us are. But nonetheless, the things that Jesus is doing proclaiming the kingdom of God, God reigning over hearts and minds and having victory over sin and the world and calling people to turn away from the philosophies of men, to turn away from being slaves of mankind and to trust in God's victory. That is something we can do in all of our vocations. We can make that known through all of our vocations. We can encourage people and let them discover the reality that is truly around us. And in fact, that is part of what coming to church is. That just as the children were called out of their world into Narnia to learn of Aslan and his ways and being and then sent back into their regular world to be new kinds of people, we likewise every week have a Narnian experience where we are called into church to worship. We are called into church to be renewed and to be changed to hear the Scriptures. To read these ancient prayers from our forebears, from our mothers and fathers into faith, to read these prayers alongside them and to hear the Gospel permeating them, to hear the law declared to us and to be reminded that we are sinners in need of Jesus, to confess our sins together and then at the pinnacle of that to come forward to receive the body and blood of Jesus through this bread and wine, to have the very Lord of creation brought into our beings to receive Him and to be changed. How much Narnian of an experience can we have in that regard? To be called into this otherworldly place of worship in the church. And to feed on our Lord and Savior. And to be sent back out into that world. To be then return into the regular world as changed people, as transformed human beings. To go forth and walk in obedience. To go forth And to make known the kingdom of Jesus. To go forth and live in obedience to the will of God. To be consistent. To learn consistency. To learn confession here. And then to carry that confession out into the world of both our sins and of Jesus who forgives. To confess, yes, that is what I once was, but I have turned around and am turning around day in and day out. Turning away from what I used to be into what Jesus has made me by Because He united me to Himself. Because He brought His kingdom down upon my head. He brought His kingdom down upon my heart and drove me into a watery death of baptism. But then He raised me up into new life. He put to death that old man in me in order that the new man could live. That is what Jesus is proclaiming. And that is what He is going to work in us in order to work through us. That he brings his reign upon us to be in us and to be upon us in order that then he would work through us to expand that reign. And it will reach the ends of the earth, and then he will return and manifest that kingdom in its fullness. We will go forth as fishers of men in each and every one of our vocations. We don't have to be apostles to be fishers of men. We don't have to leave the vocations that God has assigned to us at this time. But He may call us to new vocations and that's okay. He works through us wherever we are and calls us into making Him known, making Jesus known, making the kingdom known and calling people to repentance because we have first been called into repentance and thus called into faith in the work of God and Jesus Christ. And so may may we be that people. May we be those who are ever-changed by the Gospel, and ever sent back into this world to make that very transformational power known to the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.